0: Everyone, My name is Mary Tivy, and welcome back to the Animal Health Surveillance Podcast. So the episode today is going to focus on my PhD and the work that we're doing within it to study the engagement of farmers and vets with the UK surveillance system. So I thought I'd just use the episode to give you a bit of an overview of my research and talk about how within it we are trying to find ways of communicating to and motivating those who use the surveillance system. So first of all, I thought I'd just give you a short introduction to who I am and a little bit about the background to the project. So those of you who have listened to the first episode of series one, I'm sure may remember a little bit about this. But for those of you who haven't, just to let you know, I am currently completing my PhD within the Veterinary, Epidemiology, Economics and Public Health group at the Royal Veterinary College. And the PhD is jointly funded by the Royal Veterinary College and the APHA. So the title of the PhD is Improving Animal Health Surveillance Through Better Engagement Between Farmers, Vets and Government. And as my background myself, I am a qualified vet. I started my career in equine practice, but I've always had an interest in disease surveillance and control of infectious disease. So when the opportunity for this PhD came up, I jumped at it and I started the PhD in 2019. So I'm actually now in the final year of the project. So now to give you a little bit of a background about the project and how within it we are trying to explore how we can communicate with and motivate people who use surveillance. So I'm sure many of you know that scanning surveillance is one part of the UK surveillance system. And I know this is something that we've discussed you know, during episodes as part of this podcast so far. But scanning surveillance is a bit different from active surveillance, and it relies specifically on the submission of information from external sources. And for the surveillance system in the UK, that those sources would be farmers and vets in particular. So scanning surveillance can be described as a pyramid of scrutiny. So you can think of this as a pyramid where down at the lower levels, you have those engaged in animal husbandry. So particularly farmers in this case, the second level of the pyramid would be made up by vets. And up at the top level of the pyramid, you would see the surveillance system. So specifically the APHA and their partner providers um, and the SRUC and those kind of um, agencies. So one way to improve the effectiveness of this system is to try and increase the data that you're collecting at the lower levels of this pyramid. So farmers, of course, represent that first level. Here you're going to see a large volume of disease events may be seen. And the idea is to hope that these events will then be reported up to vets. So you will probably see a slightly smaller number of disease events seen at this level. But then you hope that the vets will then report on again to the higher levels and they would be the APHA and partner providers. And this creates a chain of reporting. So you've got your farmer reporting to your vet, you've got a vet reporting onto the APHA, and this allows information to filter through the system to the APHA and give them any information about possible disease events. So farmers and vets are therefore control the number and type of submissions that are received by surveillance, and the output of this scanning surveillance system is shaped by what you perceive to be a threat. An engagement, therefore, of... of both farmers and vets, with the system is absolutely crucial. It really helps with timely and effective detection of new or re-emerging threats. And so it's so important if we can get groups such as this to engage, then we can understand how you know, you view yourselves and your role within the scanning surveillance system. And that is really the background of this PhD. You know, not much work has been done so far on actually talking to farmers and talking to vets and seeing how you feel about surveillance and, you know, know, how you view the system and how you view your role within it. And that's what I'm trying to do as part of this research. So how have I gone about doing it? Well, during my PhD, I've used semi-structured qualitative interviews, and the aim of these was to collect data about the thoughts and opinions and experiences of farmers and vets about animal health and disease. So we weren't able to effectively cover all agricultural species sectors as part of the Ph.D. simply because of the time restraints of trying to do a three year Ph.D. So we have had to narrow it down. So we decided to choose the cattle sector um, For this research. And we did this because we felt that this sector would allow us to get quite a nice broad snapshot across many aspects of the agricultural industry. So we used a specific qualitative sampling technique as part of this PhD, and this was used to select participants based on several criteria that formed a comprehensive sampling frame. So, the first key criteria was geographical location and its relationship to submission rates to the APHA. So, we wanted to compare between regions of the country that had either higher or lower rates of submission of samples into the APHA. And we did this by looking at the data that's available on the APHA public dashboards online, which I know we've also discussed in several of the other episodes uh, during this podcast. And we looked at the submission rates over the last four years and then used this to determine the levels of submission per county. We then compared this to cattle stocking density in these regions and we identified areas of comparatively higher or lower reporting by selecting regions that were either within the 75th or 25th percentile of these calculated reporting rates. We also compared these areas to APHA data looking at catchment areas around the regional veterinary investigation centres that the APHA have. And we wanted to select some participants so we had a population who came from comparatively higher or lower reporting regions, but also from regions within and outside these veterinary investigation centre catchment areas as well, just to see if people's experiences with the APHA differed between these regions. We also had another set of criteria, one focused on our veterinary participants and one focused on our farmers. So for the vets, these include things like years since graduation, type of practice and size of practice. So did people come from a mixed or a purely farm animal practice? Did they come from a corporate or an independent practice? Was it a large practice or a small practice? With the farmers, we also had a similar group of criteria. We looked at type of production. So were they dairy? Were they beef? Was it pedigree? Was it an intensive or extensive type of production? We also looked at type of farm. So was it family owned? Was it a tenant, a small holding, a commercial farm and also level of experience as well? How long had they been in farming? Did they have any agricultural degrees? And each of these criteria was targeted within the geographical selection that I just described, based on those reporting levels and the proximity to the veterinary investigation centres. And this aimed to give us a range of views and perspectives across the industry, from you know, across the veterinary industry, a variety of different types of vets working in different types of practice, and also with our farmers coming in from a variety of different farming backgrounds. I then carried out a total of 20 interviews and performed a qualitative analytical technique on the data from those interviews. And this was called a thematic analysis. And I did this to try and explore the thoughts and opinions of these two groups and to see if we could look at the motivations and barriers of our participants towards engaging with scanning surveillance in this country. So I'm just going to now take you very briefly through the uh, findings of this qualitative work and the way that we did this uh, analysis and then talk about how we've used that to explore effective ways that we can try and communicate with people who use surveillance so some of you may have some experience with qualitative techniques such as the ones i've discussed They can be quite complicated to explain, so I'm not going to go into them in too much detail today. If you are interested in these qualitative techniques, then please do let me know. You can contact me through the website or you can contact me on Twitter. And I'd be more than happy to do an episode focusing on them a little bit more. But for now, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to briefly describe the analytical technique. And then I'm just going to touch on very briefly some of the things that we have um, found from that. So essentially, the qualitative analytical technique we used is a thematic analysis. And what this does is it seeks to identify patterns within the data. So you identify these patterns and you construct themes from these patterns. And essentially, these themes tell a story about the data. So it's a it's a it's a description of the story that our participants are trying to tell us. And it's trying to go into exactly what they're saying and and the experiences and the descriptions they're providing to give an overview across all our participants of what they're trying to say. So I analysed my data from my veterinary participants and the data from my farmers separately and just to give you a little bit of an idea about it, we are still in the later stages of uh, the analysis for this data, so I won't go into it in too much detail at the moment. But with our vets, we had some really interesting themes that came out of it, including how some echoes from past events can affect the way that they see surveillance going forward. And these past events can include things like big um, disease outbreaks that have happened in the past, such as foot and mouth disease. We also had a really interesting story coming out about the way that vets value people and how they value having friendly faces that they can contact within surveillance and the reassurance that, that this can provide for them. When looking at the farmer data, we found some interesting themes coming from that as well, looking at uh, things like the alignment of goals. So the way that, you know, the goals that farmers have um, when they think about farming and they think about their job and how those goals align to the goals that the surveillance system has. We also found some interesting information coming out about the communication cycle that occurs between surveillance or the surveillance system, the APHA, and how that information is communicated through to farmers and some of the breakdown that's happened there and you know how this can be improved. The farmer data also gave us some really interesting perspectives and opinions about how, Um, the industry as a whole could come together to try and take on the challenge of of improving surveillance and how this could improve the information that's feeding through into the surveillance system and helping us to identify re-emerging or new disease threats. So we found some fascinating um, results from this study but how can we or how did we then put these findings into practice to try and see if we could help the APHA communicate with people who are using surveillance? Well, we studied some of the data further to try and define if there are any characteristics of a method that could be used to communicate with those stakeholders who have um, a big key role to play within this chain of reporting that goes through into feeds into the surveillance system. So if we focus on the data that we have from our veterinary participants to start with, the results from this indicated that our participants wanted um, some sort of resource that could provide them with information about surveillance. The data also highlighted various attributes that the resource needed to possess to make it useful. So, for example, our participants suggested that the resource needed to be accessible at all times, so not necessarily scheduled for a specific time or a specific date. They also wanted the resource to be easily available and accessible so you could access it on various devices or in different places. Based on the evidence, not only that we gathered from um, this, from the research that we'd done and the data we'd collected, but also from looking at grey literature and discussions that I had with colleagues and others involved with the field, we considered a variety of different resource options, including things like webinars, webinars, Uh, apps, possibly, you know, sending out targeted emails. And we considered all of these based on the particular needs of the vets or veterinary participants that we had. The results indicated that a regular podcast would be an appropriate way of providing information about surveillance to vets, particularly vets in first opinion um, practice. And so that's how this podcast was created. The podcast we hoped would be able to provide information about disease in an accessible way. Listeners would be able to access it anywhere, on any device, and at any time that was suitable for them. They wouldn't need to sign up, and the design of it meant that we could tailor the resource specifically to vets so we could provide the information that they wanted. The data that we had from our interviews also suggested that our participants wanted regular updates about current issues. And so this is why the podcast was designed for the episodes to be released fortnightly and to try and provide regular topical information to the people listening. I've tried to keep the episodes of a fairly short duration as well. So although they have varied in length slightly, I've tried to keep them to somewhere in the region of half an hour. This was intended to try and make it accessible to vets. Hopefully. So it's appropriate for you to listen to, you know, when you've got a break between consults or perhaps if you're travelling between different calls or maybe if you're on your way home. A, A few of my interviewees also expressed a wish to have access to expert information or advice. And this is why I've tried to design my podcast episodes to feature interviews with an expert guest as much as possible. So all of this information I brought together and this is how I created the podcast you're currently listening to, the Animal Health Surveillance Podcast. And for those of you who've listened to it since the start, you'll know that it began last year and um, I've had a variety of episodes since then. I've tried to focus on topical, um, you know, topical disease issues and things that are specific uh, you know, to the to the time that they're released. But I've also tried to make sure I've got expert guests who can come on and talk a little bit more about surveillance as well, and give an overview of surveillance system and how it works in different places. I tried to. I've also tried to assess whether the podcast has been successful as well. So I've had a little look at uh, download statistics and, you know, where part, you know my my listeners have have found the podcast so you know on what sites have you have you accessed it on and the results so far have indicated that it's been it was fairly successful during the first series so I had a steadily increasing number of downloads and my results indicated that majority of listeners um, became aware about it or about the podcast from social media so hopefully my Twitter account has been fairly successful at promoting it. It also showed that Places like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or the big podcast platforms have actually been quite a useful place for people to download the podcast as well. I have also tried to look at whether the podcast has had any impact on Um, vets actually submitting through to the surveillance system as well. So I did a anonymous questionnaire and asked vets whether they had um, listened to the podcast and also whether they had submitted to the APHA within the last six months. Now, unfortunately, there was no significant difference statistically between whether vets had listened to the podcast and whether they had submitted to the APHA. But just looking at the descriptive statistics, there was some generally encouraging trends indicating that there may be a link. And if this is something that we took forward in the future, this could be something that could be investigated further. So it's been a fascinating um, a piece of research to do, really. And overall, the results have been very encouraging and very interesting. They've indicated that the podcast hopefully is something that may I hope is useful to to you as vets and to anybody else who listens to any of my other listeners as well as a resource to learn a little bit more about surveillance. And this is part of the reason why I've released this second series of the podcast as well. I've really enjoyed the process of doing it. So it's something that I wanted to continue as not only as part of my Ph.D., but something to hopefully that will continue on in the future as well. You'll notice that I've talked about the podcast as aimed primarily originally at vets and based on the data that I gathered from my veterinary participants. This was because the data that I had from my farmers, my farmer participants um, didn't give me a very clear indication of a res- of, of the exact attributes that a resource that to be aimed at them would need. So I felt that further exploration of this was needed before I could really choose um, a resource or an intervention that could be designed for farmers. I felt like I needed to explore the data a little bit more to get something that would be tailored carefully and properly to them. So since then, I've also carried out some more research focusing just on farmers and talking to them about different resources and finding out what they do or do not like about them and and what attributes that they find positive or negative about these resources and these ways of giving them information. I still have a little bit more analysis to do on that work, but hopefully that will also provide some really interesting information about Uh, a resource that we could design for farmers as well and hopefully that that research as I say you know we'll hope that there'll be a publication coming out from that in the future as well but otherwise I just wanted to give you a little bit of an overview really of this of this PhD and, and a little bit of a description as to why this podcast came into being and of course you know I have to thank all of my lovely um participants who took part in my interviews and in my focus groups as well both my vets and my farmers they were all absolutely fantastic and it was wonderful to talk to them and the information that I that came from those uh, from those conversations was fascinating and incredibly useful so I have to extend huge thanks to them I also have to extend huge thanks to not only everyone who's helped me to set up this podcast as well, but also to all of you who listen. Thank you so much for taking part in it, for listening to it, for downloading it. You know, not only are I hope that you're finding it as a useful resource, but you're also contributing to this research as well. And hopefully helping us to you know find these methods of communication that will help that will help you to. you know, to just get all a little bit more information about surveillance. So thank you for, you know, engaging with this podcast. And, you know, as I say, any thoughts about the podcast, any, any suggestions, if there are any topics that you want covered, then please do let me know. You can get in touch with me by Twitter. You can get in touch with me on the website as well. So, you know, do get in touch and let me know if there's anything you want me to do. Because at the end of the day, this podcast is really you know, it's tailored for you and it's designed for you. So any any information that I can provide that you want, I will try to do so. But otherwise, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you do like the podcast, please do mention it to your friends and your colleagues. And otherwise, thank you so much for listening to this little description about my research. And hopefully I'll see you again next time.